Hello and a big Cat Swamp Road welcome to all of you. Thanks for joining me, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey, on this week's episode of Farm Machinery Digest Radio, heard exclusively on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, and on the Sirius XM app also. We meet here in the farm shop every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then again on Sunday at 6 p.m. with an encore of the same show. If you are not new, to, if you are not new to this show or my Idle Chatter podcast, you know that I like stories. And before I get into this one, I need to thank Mike Werner from Caledonia, Minnesota, for giving me another pushpin in my listeners map. Mike, I greatly appreciate your ear each week and also the ear of all of you. I would also love to hear from you. That's right, you. So please send me an email at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and let me know where you hail from and I will put a push pin with your name it name on it on my map. Thank you so much for considering to do that. Now back to the story or is uh, I forgot what the rest of the story I forgot what his name used to be. It used to be on the radio years ago. Many years back, I built a long rod, 6-inch instead of 5.7 inches, 383 for a brand new, literally the car had 10 miles on it, fourth generation Z28. It was brand new, came right from the dealership to my shop. It was a blower motor with a Vortec R trim, a ton of head work, and a gorgeous, gorgeous rotating assembly. It was a Cali's crank, Oliver billet rods, and JE pistons with a metric ring package. That's a thinner ring package that everybody used to start to use. And I don't know, I guess it was made to metric dimensions. That's why they called it metric. The weak link was the camshaft, which was a hydraulic roller. It was for a streetcar, and the owner did not want to run the valves every so often. I took the stroked small block to Digital Fuel Injection, DFI, in Wixom, Michigan, to dyno it there and map the ECU. It had a Gen 6, 6.0 ECU, so that's dating itself now, right? My buddy Gene came with me, and the owner of the car flew out to meet us there. Well, it made good power for the day, but peak torque was in at around 5,800 RPM, and we ran out of camshaft at 6,300 with just under 775 ponies. John Meany, the owner of the facility, was going nuts since he said no one ever left his dyno without finding peak power. But I didn't care. That was more than enough for the street. Nothing was broken, which is always important, and the engine did what I wanted. Since that was a Friday, Gene and I stayed for Saturday to bum around the Motor City. The Detroit area is like heaven for a car guy like me. I knew that the GM Proving Grounds were in Milford, so we headed over there. I did not know exactly how to get there, but I knew that if you rode around on enough dirt roads, you would eventually spot it. It looks like an interstate highway behind an anchor fence, but with no cars on it. It's a beautiful road. Then he said, we were all cars, and you realize it's the Proving Ground. We were in Gene's brand new Dakota. We found the Proving Grounds and a road that went into it. There were no signs about trespassing. Nothing saying it was private property, just a nice two-lane rural road. Hey, what the heck, right? The truth be known, I knew we were entering the Proving Grounds, but Gene did not. He was just driving. We came upon a small parking lot with a grass berm above it. We parked and walked up the hill, and there was part of the test track. Boy, were we giddy with excitement. We're on the Proving Grounds. 
After a few minutes, a one-half-ton pickup with no GMC or Chevy badges went went by overloaded with a skid full of bricks, and interestingly enough, rolling a little bit of coal as it climbed the hill. At that, at, back then, there were no GM diesel half tons with uh, GM diesel pickups with half, half tons. They were three quarter tons and up. And then came a low slung Caddy Seville that most that must have been running a buck fifty if it was doing it. That thing was flying. It looked like it was on a Bonneville Soul Flats. And then a few minutes later, we turned around and there was a suburban that said GM security on the door and two guys inside that looked like you didn't want to mess with them. They pulled up to us and asked if we worked for GM Engineering. And if not, what were we doing there? They were cool. One asked if the Dakota RT was ours with the jersey tags. I just told them we saw the road and drove in. They, t- they told us, you guys have no cameras, so no worries. Jump in and we will drive you back to your truck. They dropped us off and told us how to get back to I-96. We all shook hands and left. You know, in almost every case, ignorance is never a valid defense, though it worked for us in Michigan. But a cylinder head gasket is not as understanding as the GM security guys. It will not accept. I do not. I did not know. No, it's not going to accept ignorance. So today's show is going to be about how to never see what your engine looks like with the cylinder head off. And we will have a letter from a listener in the special delivery segment. And of course, a toolbox test question. And never forget, agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. It's Mad Dog Unleashed with Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Good afternoon, everybody! Hear the passion. Be aggressive. Get something done. Hear the knowledge. The game, folks, is about two plays, and that's what it comes down to. Hear the personality. I'm going to start here in an angry mood. Get somebody on the radio! That has made him a sports talk legend. Does that make any sense to you? Guys, you're crazy. It's Mad Dog Unleashed with Christopher Russo. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82, or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers. This is Mark Oppold with an American Agriculture History Minute brought to you by Conterra. Ag loans by real ag experts with loans designed for agriculture. Call 855-381-3451. Conterra Ag, 855-381-3451. Settlement of the Northwest Territory was a huge step in early American agriculture pushing west. Now we think of the Northwest Territory as Idaho, Washington, and Oregon. But in 1788, the Northwest Territory covered Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, and the northeast part of Minnesota. General Arthur St. Clair was appointed governor and set up governance in Marietta, Ohio. Two years later, he moved the administration and the military center to Fort Washington, located in what is now downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. That's today's American Agriculture History Minute. I'm Mark Oppold. Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy Stern inviting you to join me every Saturday night for the Saturday Night Polka Party right here on Channel 147 World Radio. Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They repeat that show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Join me on the Saturday Night Polka Party. That's Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Again, on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Only here on Rural Radio, Channel 147. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. 
I'm Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and as I said in the opening segment, we're going to be discussing cylinder head gaskets and how not to have to replace them, because uh, on any engine, a cylinder head gasket is never a fun job, and specifically on a lot of farm equipment or semi-trucks. I mean, the, the cylinder heads are big, they're heavy, it's awkward to work on, and even in a you know, passenger vehicle, a car or a pickup truck around the farm, is that it's no, it's no pleasure doing a cylinder head gasket so the whole thing basically would be is that you have to look at it is that you do not you want to do everything you can not to allow that gasket to fail because if the gasket doesn't fail then you never have to remove the head so the goal just like the strategic air command used to be their goal used to say if they never fired one shot they accomplished their mission so if you basically never have to take the cylinder head off no matter how old the engine is, how many miles, how many hours on it, then you have accomplished your mission and you took good care of that gasket. The great thing about it is that it's not, it's not hard to make a cylinder head gasket live the life of the vehicle and beyond. Oftentimes the cylinder head gasket will live beyond the vehicle because the vehicle may rust out or get wrecked. But as an aside to this, I want to make a statement up front so no one says, well, you know, I, I had to put the head gaskets on or whatever. The thing is that I never in my whole career of having, well, I should say my whole life of having engines, all different types of engines, cars, pickup trucks, race cars, what have you, is that I never blew a cylinder head gasket. And I used to build a lot of Buick Grand Nationals. We were running high boost, well, high boost for back then. 25 30 pounds of boost on those engines but i never had to replace a cylinder head gasket on any one of my personal own vehicles or farm equipment so the reason why i'm saying that because it establishes that it doesn't have to fail now a couple of caveats i'm going to bring up front first so you know that cylinder head in the industry i like to say when i teach this is that cylinder head gaskets do not die they are murdered so if a head gasket fails it is because it was murdered by someone and usually it's the person behind the wheel or the owner of the owner of the engine so they murdered that head gasket other than that those head gaskets will live forever now so let me continue on that statement is that it's unless you modified the engine or modified the calibration i should say and you know this is common today because especially with the diesel with the diesel pickup trucks and the 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 guys put those tuners in and i'm not against the tuner i mean in a hot rod farmer i've said this before on my show is that you know it's like that country song a girl can't be too pretty or a car too fast well you can never have too much power right but the thing is that you have to look at it realistically and see what the use of the of the engine is i'll say the the application but unless you put a tuner in it on a turbocharged engine or supercharged engine but turbocharged is what they all are and turn the boost up you are not go you or you are not going to blow a head gasket if you do this to follow the steps i'm going to say in this segment now the other thing so why does a head gasket fail number one because it's over boosted number two is because you didn't change the coolant number three is because you cooked the engine those are the three reasons those are the three reasons why head gaskets die so if we don't over boost it we don't cook the engine and we we change the antifreeze and or add a supplemental coolant additive as needed then the head gasket will outlive the rest of the vehicle farm machine equipment what have you 
All right, so now we have that established, let's talk about those three areas. And what, and what is the purpose of the head gasket? Well, the purpose of the head gasket is to seal the deck surface with the deck of the block, which is the top of the block, and the cylinder head. So it's to seal both the coolant and the compression pressure, the, the combustion pressure is probably a better way for me to say it, from the expansion event, from the, from the engine running. So because even on an air-cooled engine, you may have a head gasket. Some air-cooled engines do not. They have a they have what what they would call a perfectly machined surface on both sides. But most engines today, even a, a lawnmower engine, one cylinder lawnmower engine, will usually use a head gasket. So the so then again, the purpose is to keep. Remember, a gasket, any type of gasket's job is to either keep something in or something out or both. So in this particular instance, it's meant to keep the coolant in, in place and the combustion pressure in place. So if that gasket erodes or fails, then one of those two things are going to happen depending upon where the gasket fails. So we could either put coolant into the combustion chamber or it could put cylinder pressure into the cooling system or outside. Out, or we mean outside escaping the juncture of the block and the cylinder head. So that is that is the first thing. So now... Now that we established that the gasket is is a gasket's job, the other thing that a lot of people don't realize, and specifically with cylinder head gaskets, and I'm just going to touch on this briefly, is that the gasket needs to have a surface both on the cylinder head and on the engine block that will mate with it, that will work with that gasket's material and composition. And a lot of machine shops don't recognize this. And... And if you're a machinist and you're listening to you, you could say, well, I, I use this certain surface and it works. And I'm not going to deny that. But the part of this show is to, is to explain to you the proper theory and then you decide. I'm not going to tell you where you could cheat. But if you look at any head gasket manufacturer, they're going to they're gonna make a suggestion for the surface texture of the block and the cylinder head for that gasket to seal properly. And, and that's measured with a profilometer. And the profilometer most shops don't have. So what the people use is they use a certain surface finish or roughness, we would say, when they mill the cylinder head and mill the block. Now, most instances, I don't want to confuse you, is that if the head gasket failed, usually you're not touching the block. You're removing the cylinder head and you're putting a new gasket in. So at that particular point, what I want to say to you, it is paramount, paramount for the deck of that cylinder head at least to be checked for straightness and most likely milled. And it all depends on why the gasket failed. So getting back to our three reasons why a head gasket fails, they it's either overboosted, it's either cooked, or it is uh, a lack of maintenance as far as the coolant is concerned. So we, we kind of discuss, we, we discussed the overboost already. And we may get, if I have time, I'll get back onto that in a second, in a few minutes, I should say. But anyway, the main reason for a head gasket failure is a lack of cooling system maintenance. Case closed, all right? What happens is that the coolant loses. Now, remember, we call it antifreeze, but it's actually coolant. So it's some sort of glycol, and it's mixed with a bunch of additives. The And when every engine runs, the coolant boils in the cylinder head, and it goes through what's called nucleate boiling and this boiling and recondensing boiling recondensing 
it consumes the additive package. And I said this many times on this show, the additive package is what's going to protect the engine from cavitation. It's going to protect it from electrolysis and it's going to protect the cylinder head gasket. So if you do not change the coolant on a diesel engine, add a supplemental coolant, add it and test it with a strip, what is going to happen is the head gasket is actually going to start to deteriorate. So if you said to me, so if you're in church and somebody says to you, well, my wife's minivan, my wife's minivan uh, blew a head gasket. My pickup truck blew a head gasket. If so, my thing is that if you did not cook it, what I mean by cook it, overheat it, overheat the engine because the, the you popped a hole in the radiator, you blew a hose, the thermostat stuck, and you ran the engine. And, and in every instance, it is because you did not maintain the coolant. And the, remember that the freeze level has nothing, nothing to do with the additive package potency so what will happen is the gasket will actually start to corrode and it's actually an electrolytic effect it'll actually start to eat it away and depending upon where it eats it away then eventually the gasket will fail all right now if you cook the engine when i use the word cook we use the word cook means overheat it then what will happen is the head and the block will start to warp and as the as the, the cylinder head warps then it's not going to have an even clamping force on the gasket and it's going to eventually fail whether that eventually whether that eventual time is one day one hour one month all right it, but it's going to fail because now the head is warped so basically very very simple need to remember this cylinder head gaskets do not die that they are murdered if you're not over boosting the engine all right then you have no issues with that whatsoever the thing is that if you maintain the coolant level and the coolant potency so that the gasket does not start to deteriorate it's going to go a long 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 way of preserving its life and if the engine starts to spike in temperature for whatever reason, unless there's somebody's life is in, in, in danger or an animal's life is in danger or something, then you need to shut that engine off and do not cook it. If you do not cook that engine, then that cylinder head gasket will last forever. Now, if you do have to pull the head off because the gasket failed, make sure that you have the cylinder head decked to, for straightness and always use new head bolts. Even if they're not torque to yield bolts, you always have to use new head bolts. So as I get ready to close here, basically it is up to you to keep the inside of your engine a stranger to your eyes because there's no reason for you to have a cylinder head gasket failure. It's those three things that murder it and you could very easily avoid them. Just want to reassure everybody that agriculture is going on as normal here in Sullivan County. Cows are still having calves. The grass is growing. Uh, people are planning to put a crop out just like always. So don't worry about the food supply. There's going to be plenty. The truckers are still trucking. Uh, farmers are doing their thing. Grocery stores are, are getting it on the shelves and, and making things available in different, different kinds of ways. So if things are gonna be okay as far as the food supply goes, don't worry about that, we'll make more. As you all can see behind me here, I got my ground already plowed up, we're ready to go. We're gonna plant uh, sweet corn, green beans, and tomatoes, and all type of vegetables as soon as the 
soon as everything's ready to go, we're gonna also plant pumpkins later on. And I'm proud to be a farmer. Everybody stay safe and healthy. Thank you all. A sincere thanks to the nation's farmers and ranchers. May God bless you. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to a very special show. Country music history comes alive with stars, songs, and stories. You know, we're blessed with great stars here on our show tonight. The face and voice of country music on TV and radio. Having a good time? This is going to be fun. Country Music Hall of Fame member Ralph Emery. Sunday right here on America's only agribusiness and western lifestyle network, Rural Radio. There's more to come here on the Ralph Emery Show. The Rural Evening News, the only primetime newscast that matters to rural America. That report is out, caught me by surprise. Grain and livestock markets kind of going all over the place. The weather outlook for the coming days. This system is really picking up some steam. And Western sports. An incredible ride you will have to see to believe. In one jam-packed half hour. The Rural Evening News, weeknights at 7.30 Eastern. On Rural Radio, Channel 147, the agribusiness and Western lifestyle channel. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And if you have the opportunity, go to my website, please, farmmachinerydigest.com, and look under the Learn tab. And I have a series of articles about uh, engine machining, not just cylinder head machining for gaskets, but rebuilding, rotating assembly, what have you. And if you have, if you have to have an engine rebuilt, it would be a good idea for you to read those three articles first before you choose a machine shop. But now we are going to get into our toolbox test, but first we need Tech Rubinowitz some ripsaw records to come in and sing. So put your thinking cap on. Well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's got a V8 motor and it sure is clean. I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama gonna get you. All righty, thank you so much, Tex. All right, here's your toolbox test. Like most farmers, you keep old equipment around since it still has some useful life left in it. You applied this mindset last year when you bought your wife a new SUV and kept her old one with 300,000 miles around as a spare. Well, the inevitable happened. The transmission finally went. You had it towed two towns over since you heard there was a good transmission man there. He called and said the unit would need to be rebuilt and it would be $2,000. You spoke to your wife about it and a decision was made to fix the car since you never really put any money into it and you got used to having a backup vehicle. After getting the SUV fixed, you drive it home and the transmission shifts fine, but the engine seems sluggish at low speeds and especially away from a stop. You decide to drive it for a few days and maybe things will break in. They don't, so you call the transmission man. He tells you if the unit shifts fine, the problem is with the engine and have a mechanic look at it. This perplexes you since the performance was fine before the transmission failed, even though the SUV had 300,000 miles on it. When you're at the implement dealer picking up some parts, you ask around to see what they think. These are the responses you get. Farmer A says that just as the transmission went suddenly, the engine must be going too. He said that you were a fool for putting that much money into an old truck and you got what you deserve. There's always a Farmer A like that, right? Farmer B thinks that the transmission man set the line pressure too low in the unit and that is why the engine seems sluggish. Farmer C says that you got snookered and the man put a junkyard transmission engine into the truck and kept yours. Then Farmer D tells you to ask the transmission shop if they changed the torque converter. If so, the one they installed has the incorrect stall speed. So you think about that while I read this letter. 
from Oscar Rivera in Arizona. Hi, I have a New Holland self-propelled hay wagon with a 460 Ford V8 and a Motorcraft carburetor. It is running very, very rich. It is a good piece of equipment, but it is getting gasoline in the oil. Any any idea would be appreciated. It's a 1972 model. Everybody, Mr. Rivera, thank you so much for listening and for writing in. Well, basically, in essence, very, very simple is that if it, the engine is running too rich and or getting gasoline in the oil, doesn't necessarily mean it's running too rich if it's getting gasoline in the oil. You may say, how can that be? Well, on an older carburetor engine like that, if you if the fuel pump seal or the, the internal, if the fuel pump has an internal leak, it could actually be pumping gasoline into the crankcase. So you have to check that. But I'm going to assume that you have determined that it's running too rich by either black smoke, following the spark plugs, what have you. So keep that in mind as far as the fuel pump is concerned. But in essence, if the carburetor is running too rich, other than being adjusted too richly, you have to make sure that the choke obviously is not sticking on, which is um, a basic tenant of running rich. But internally, if the float level is too high or the float started to absorb gasoline and started to sink, then the float level would be high, would run rich. But also that carburetor, a Motocraft carburetor four barrel is very similar to a Holly in design and uses um, and uses a power valve so if the power valve went bad the diaphragm it's 1972 if the diaphragm went bad in the power valve it's going to be dumping fuel and running very rich so we need to check that so you have to look inside the carburetor check the float level you'd have to check the power valve make sure the fuel pump is not putting gasoline into the crankcase and make sure the choke is not sticking on and you should be good to go but remember until you fix it get that oil out of that engine because that's a good engine but gasoline in the oil will ruin all of its lubricity so you have to make sure that that is not happening until you fix it if you have any other questions about it please feel free to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com as we get ready to close here farmer d is correct the shop changed the torque converter and the one they installed has the incorrect stall speed for that engine rear axle ratio and the weight of the vehicle in this example the converter is too tight the stall speed identifies the engine rpm that the torque converter will internally slip to before it mechanically links and transfers engine power to the transmission a converter that is too tight, not enough slip, will lug the engine, while one that is too loose, excessive slip, will respond almost like a centrifugal clutch in a UTV. The engine speed will flare up, and then the vehicle will move. So keep that in mind, that a lot of shops will do a transmission, and they will change the torque converter on it, and when they change the converter on it, they put the converter that has the wrong stall speed, and it'll be actually like short-shifting a manual transmission you will actually lug the engine and if it has the wrong stall speed the other way where it's slipping then it'll be uh you'll lose you'll lose performance also and fuel economy and it'll always it'll act like a clutch like a manual transmission clutch that is slipping very very common scenario with that happens uh with transmission shops sadly so you always want to make sure that you what find out what they're doing with the torque converter if they are doing anything with it so uh, keep that in mind so listen i want to thank you so much for 
for for uh, tuning in today. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. And hey, I don't want any head gasket failures, because if there is, you're going to have to look in a mirror. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Rob Keck from Bass Pro Shops, the leader in the great outdoors. Join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern for Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. We'll talk about all things outdoors and preserving our access to field and water. Join us every Saturday as we bring you special guests from unique locations, as well as inside access to the latest topics and trends in the great outdoors. Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World only on Rural Radio and the Sirius XM app. Your adventure starts right here. In the field, on the farm, or in the saddle, we're right there with you in your pocket, on your phone, and everywhere you go. RFD TV Now. Current ag reports, geo-targeted weather, live streaming 24-7, and our full collection of shows you love at the tip of your finger. At less than $10 a month, it's the cheapest tool on the farm. Download the app today and start watching RFD TV Now. RFD-TV brings the ag industry news you care about. A lot of producers really looked at the hope mm -hmm. of being able to get this deal done. Tailored forecasts for farmers and ranchers. You can see the pockets of red across Texas. That has become a problem. And going forward in time, we just don't have a lot of rainfall headed that way. Live, direct reports from the trading floor with expert market analysis. We have Oliver Slope standing by, and he is with Blue Line Futures. Well, the, the outside markets are going to be the, the driving factor and the focal point in this week's trade. A focus on Washington ag policy. RFD-TV's Emily Butt joins us from our Washington, D.C. News Bureau. The president reaffirms his commitment for rural America, supporting farmers through the pandemic. And live reports from across the nation. See lots of fun and exciting stories, especially lots of hard work that goes into this. Stories you'll find only on RFD TV, celebrating our 20th year as Rural America's most important network.